Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, February 27, 2022. Coming at you live from R.J. Daniels. It is great to be back. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me sometimes is Mr. Tony Stabile. Special guest tonight, in-house Chris Botta of Hockey Press Pass. Can't wait to talk to him tonight. We're going to get you ready for Islanders versus Ducks. Welcome to Hockey Day here at R.J. Daniels. And we are proud to be presented by R.J. Daniels American Bar and Grill, located at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center. It is the best place to catch the Isles when you can't be at the game. Head on down for great food and drink specials, plenty of HDTVs and in-game sound. Also proud to be sponsored by... Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and UBS Arena at Belmont. They are an official partner of the New York Islanders. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com for all their great offerings. Also happy to be sponsored by Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800 for three free months of service. And, of course, happen to be sponsored by Oyster Bay Brewing Company, creator of the Born Rocker Session Ale, available at 12 locations at the Islanders' brand-new home in UBS Arena and even more distributors across the country from coast to coast. You can also visit the Tap Room at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay seven days a week to sample all their fantastic beverages and everybody live in the chat welcome on twitch make sure you get your questions in for our questions brewing segment brought to you by oyster bay brewing company and folks in house here at rj daniels we are running a 50 50 raffle as well as many other prizes for companions in courage it is a great great charity so please join in we're gonna have raffle tickets going around please participate and it will help a great, great cause to give courage, friendship, compassion, and support to those children and families who are overcoming illness and life-threatening obstacles. We got some great prizes, campaigns, uh, sorry, Companions and Courage donated an autographed Pat LaFontaine jersey. So if you get involved, you can win that fantastic stuff. We also have a pair of Islander tickets. We also have other good prizes. We'll be giving them out throughout the night. So let's get ready to go here. Tony Stabile, how are you? What's up, my brother? I am. I don't even know what to do with myself here. It's been a while since I've been back here with you. It's, so. it's good to have you back. Now, granted, the Islanders haven't been performing as well as we'd all like right now. It's been a bit of a rough go here yes. on a West Coast swing out there in California. Mm-hmm. Started off all right and then not so well <laughs> last night going into L.A. Probably one of their worst games of the season. So with all that in mind, how does it feel to be Tony Stabile? I think that we've. I don't think the this this West Coast swing has been the uh, the crux of the Islander season. This has been going on since right before Thanksgiving. It's, you know, it's it's just it's kind of a microcosm of their whole season. You know, they play a, a good game and they get off on the right foot in Seattle, and then they come back with a game that they should have won against San Jose, and then last night was just was just awful. So I mean, they they really. You know, it's just, this is not their year, and it's it, there's a you know a whole bunch of reasons, and we'll get into them, but it's just not their year. 
It's not, and, and any time you seem to think that they're, they're getting it together, when you see a game like the one against the crack, and you say, okay, hey, maybe they got a shot to put something together. It's funny because they started off that road trip going out to Western Canada the same way. They had that nice win against the Canucks, right. and you say maybe they can put a couple of nice wins on the road here. And then same thing, they just kind of collapsed. So it's just been a very uneven season for this team. And for, like you said, for, for a lot of different reasons, they just haven't been able to put consistent hockey together. Correct, correct. They're not playing Islanders hockey. They're not playing Barry Trotz hockey. They're not playing on a consistent level. you got guys who are, are playing totally outside of their, uh, of their potential and what they've done in the past. And, and this has been a problem for the entire season. And, you know, you look at some of the numbers and, you know, like I'm, you follow along and everything, but I actually looked at the, the, the statistics, you know, player statistics today, and I was shocked. And yeah. some of the things I saw, you know, Ryan Pollock with five points and a minus 11, that's not a Ryan Pollock season. Like, it's... Well, he was also out for a long I, time. I'm not saying that. That's, I, I agree. <laughs> and there's, there is reasons. I'm not saying that Ryan's not a, is, is lost his, you know, his mojo or anything like that. It's just he has not had a good year. But you have guys who are consistent, who have played well this season, you know, guys in Adam Pollock, you know, who have continually um, produced. You know, Zach Parise's what we talked about before we went on the air, about how he's played... You know, he's been producing now, but he's been the most consistent guy on the roster pretty much the whole year. So, you know, there, there's a lot of things that are going on here. I, it's, I don't think this, this team is it's like a blow-up kind of a thing or anything like that, but this is something that, you know, I mean, you know, heading into the deadline, which we're going to talk about, is definitely, you know, it's, it's going to be something that it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what, what moves are made and what kind of tweaks that can be made. Yeah, and I think that's the main thing that kind of needs to be dissected with this team is, you know, over the course of this season, almost every week you talk about the, you know, the 13-game road trip to start and the COVID uh, problems during the beginning of the season. But now we've had so much time since then for them to have most pretty much a full roster here. You had Pollock out for a little while, but we've had the, the Islander team that we were expected to see in the beginning of the season, and not a lot has changed. Nope. And you kind of run out of those excuses now. Are they gassed? Is the, the fact that the, the schedule's been a little more compacted because of the games that they missed due to the COVID and whatnot? Perhaps. But at the end of the day, I mean, how much different... You have to wonder how much different the season would have been if they didn't start with those games in the road. Like, would they, would they be in playoff contention? Or is this just a roster as constructed that just um, maybe was a little overestimated? I mean, it's it's it was essentially the same roster that went to the you know that went to the conference finals last year and you know lost one nothing in game seven. So I mean, there were some change, changes that were made. I think that I think that part of those changes were for one reason, and I think that you know they didn't really pan out. I think that the way that they wanted to. I think that you know in addition to like Zidane Chara and uh, you know bringing back Andy Green were meant. You know, to mentor some of these younger guys, and I think that that, that portion that portion worked. But I think the on ice performance wasn't there, and I think that you know, I think that Lou and, and Barry will tell you that they agree with that. Um, but you know, there that was a mistake. But do I think that that's the reason why the Islanders have tanked this year? No, I don't. Not at all. I think that there's they're just the entire team up and down the, the roster is not playing the consistent. You know, like look, the last two seasons, you knew every night. You know, you'd have an occasional stinker here or there or whatever, but pretty much every night you knew what the Islanders were going to bring. 
you knew what this team was capable of, you knew how they were going to play, and you knew they were going to play suffer, you know, suffocating hockey the way you know Barry Trotz likes to play. You don't see it. You see that just in spurts now. Right. You don't see it on a nightly basis. And to me, that's the biggest change. It's not, it's not the personnel. It's not the coaching. It's not the GM. It's, it's the fact that the players on the ice are not performing the way that they have the last two years. And it's just they're not, you know, they're playing with it's pretty much the same guys. Every, you know, the lines are pretty much the same. You know, the guys in the lineup are pretty much the same. It's just they're not playing up to what they've done. You and know, I, their guess, own, I guess their the, own performance. the million-dollar question, though, is why? I well, mean, they're giving up all these opening goals almost night in, every night, night out now. Every night. Every and, night. And also a very odd – I think Eric Hornick brought it up uh, after the game yesterday. I think there's been five games now where they've given up a goal within the last minute of a period. Yeah, which, which is, is another, just completely out of, char- out of character. But also, I mean, it's just crippling, especially for a team that's been so desperate for goals, so desperate to – hang in games and, and get wins. What is it about the final minute now of a period where they just seem to, you know, kind of fall apart and give up these goals? I, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like anything in life, right? When, you, when you're consistent with something, when you're consistently doing, you're consistently going to the gym, you're consistently, you know, uh, taking the same train every day, or you're consistently, you know, um, you know, keeping up with watching something or so on and so forth. The consistency is just, it continues and, you know, you get on a roll. You know, the way the Islanders season started with the 13 games on the road and then hitting, you know, getting, losing half your roster to COVID, then having the league shut down, and then, you know, having the, you know, the Olympic uh, thing, it's just, I feel like this team has just created bad habits, right? And then sometimes you just need a reset. You need to just get away, and there's no way to do that because it is such a compacted schedule at this point. So I think that they've, they've gotten into some bad habits, and they've forgotten you know, the, they've really forgotten the way to play the way that they have over the course of the last two years. And that's, I mean, it, it, look, we've seen other teams do it. We've seen teams right. that have been, Pittsburgh has done it. You know, they, one year they're dominant, the next year they, there's an injury to Crosby, there's an injury to Malkin, there's an injury to, to Latang, And sometimes all three are out at the same time. They still get through. But, and they get through, and, you know, but then they get into the playoffs and they're out. Mm-hmm. You know, so it just, a team sometimes, you know, and some that's, that's you know, you get behind the, you know, maybe you need to shake up, maybe you need this or that, and we haven't really seen that. You know, Lou is not that kind of guy who's going to make a move to make a move. Right. So, but I think at the deadline here, and, you know, with some things that have been happening and, you know, seeing the, the honest product, you know, which is the majority of what's been going on for the season, some changes I think are going to need to be made and are going to be made. Yeah, and also we, we for more recent news, we heard today that Matt Barzell and Zdeno Char day to day. Correct. They suffered injuries last night mm-hmm. against the Kings. Uh, looks like Barzell might have tweaked his knee. Good thing it's only day to day. At least hopefully he's back in the mix, you know, sooner than later. Same with Chara. And uh, also that's interesting, and we'll, we'll get into it a little more later on. But Josh Bailey. Uh, finally found himself out of the lineup for a couple of games. Something that some fans have been calling for for a long time. And it's finally happened. I mean, you being a long-time follower of this team, you know, what do you make of that? Josh Bailey, a guy who has, has definitely earned a lot of respect and at the same time a lot of ire from different portions of this fan base. And you see him finally taking a seat. Uh, what did you make of that when you saw him out? Uh, it's It was surprising to me. Okay, yeah. The guy has an A on his chest. He's been, in, he's been with this, this team since he's 18 years old. He is a proven playoff performer for the last two seasons. And for you to fall that far, that Barry Trotz, who is extremely loyal to his veteran, to his veteran core, for him to sit him down for two games, to me that says a lot. 
Now, that says a lot. Do we know if he's getting in tonight? I haven't he's had a chance. Tonight, yes. He is Him in tonight. Him and Andy Green are back in the line. And who's stepping out? Barzell well, Barzell, Barzell, I guess that Jara. makes sense. We, we covered so, that. So at least we don't have to hear the cries of, of be, uh, the Bellows and Wallstrom supporters tonight. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I guess he just gets in by default with Matt Barzell being out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but for what does this mean for Josh Bailey? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, he's, what does he have, one year left on his deal after this year? Without looking at it, that sounds I about right. I believe it's one year left after this year at $5 million. So... It's not an untradeable contract, you know, especially if they hold some money back. He's proven he can perform in the playoffs. And that would be a reason. And if Lou is going to, you know, look, if they're going to make a run at whoever this offseason, you know, and there's a few guys that they can make a run at. So if they're going to look to make those types of moves, which I think I think we, we all can, you know, watching the on-ice product, know that something big needs to happen here. Um, you know, that's that's a definite possibility. Something that I would, three months ago I would have told you I didn't think was possible or that would happen, but... I would maybe in the offseason, but at the deadline, it's definitely possible. Anything can happen now. Well, folks, want to thank you all for tuning in at twitch.tv slash ny, And, of course, here at RJ Daniels. How are we doing out there? All right. All right. We're having a good time. Excellent. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Chris Botta of Hockey Press Pass will join us. We'll be right back. It's a new Islander season, and you've got a great spot to catch all the action. R.J. Daniels American Barn Grill in Rockville Center. Inside the bar or the heated outdoor patio, you won't miss any of the excitement on their wall-to-wall big-screen TVs and in-game sound. Enjoy it all with delicious food, drinks, and plenty of specials in a lively atmosphere staffed by the friendliest folks around. R.J. Daniels is in the heart of Rockville Center at 279A Sunrise Highway, just steps from the train station. So come on down. Watch the boys in blue and orange continue their quest for Lord Stanley with your fellow Islander diehards. And when the game's not on, stop by for a great meal and a great time seven days a week. Hang for the late night bar scene or book a party or catering for any occasion. Call 516-536-6258 to make reservations and go to rjdaniels.com to check out the menu. R.J. Daniels American Bar and Grill. Your home for New York Islanders hockey. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another country you'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account so islander fans if your business is looking for a change from companies like spectrum verizon or optimum thai technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages just call 516-856-7800 that's 516-856-7800 or visit them on the web at thaitechnology.com that's thai t-i-e technology.com thai technology the right choice for your internet phone service Hope you enjoyed the ads. Now let's get back to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stahyke. Welcome back to Hockey Night New York, everybody. It's time for On the Line, brought to you by Thai Technology. And joining us right now from Hockey Press Pass, the great Chris Botta. Chris, pleasure to have you here in-house at RJ Daniels. Thank you so much for coming down. 
How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Sean. Hey, Tony, how you doing? It's great to see everybody here. Thanks for coming out. I live in this town, so it's great. And I know you had Butch Gross and, and, and Cuz Carver last week, so it's a little bit of a drop-off. Oh, we'll do our stop best. it. Oh, stop it. Always the humble Chris Botta. Well, pleasure to have you on the show. And I guess we can get started with, with Hockey Press Pass. I mean, we talked about it the last time you came on. But uh, obviously, been keeping an eye on it from over here at Hockey Night in New York, and uh, just some fantastic guests you've been getting over there. Um, definitely some some great Islanders, particularly from from an era that I um, held dear in the early 2000s. One one in particular, I think I actually mentioned it to you, Adrian O'Coin, uh, favorite player of mine from that era. And just from talking to these guys coming onto the show, is there any particular story or any particular conversation you had with any of them that just stuck out? for you. Yeah, I mean, Adrian was great. You know, one thing that happened, which obviously we're in plan on, and I was just talking to Jim Johnson from Rock Companions and Courage about this, was with the passing of Clark Gillies, I wind up asking Bruno Gervais, asking Rob Shrimp, asking Adrian a coin about them, and um, it's about Clark, and it was just amazing to hear the impact that Clark Gillies had on them, right? Like, you know, Clark played 40 or more years ago, these are players who came through for four or five years, and, you know, he was their great friend. He was their welcome wagon to the Islanders. He was their guy who they played golf with. So it was just really moving uh, getting their take. We wound up, in addition to doing Hockey Press Pass, doing these Islander episodes because it is the team that I worked for for a long time, and it's, uh, it's become a, just a real treat, and I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it. It's been exactly what I wanted it to be. Yeah, Chris, you, you know, you you work for the Islands, as you just said, for a really long time. You were around this team. Clark Gillies, and from my time in the, in the Coliseum, was always there and always around. What, can you give us just a, a quick, you know, like a, a favorite memory of, of Clark or something that happened, you know, maybe off the cuff that nobody would know about? Oh, uh, the thing with him and everybody on Long Island probably has a story about Clark Gillies, but... You know, it really stood out for me that, you know, when the, just after his passing, it was three days in a row that it was on the back page of Newsday, either the, the full page or Trace. And people like my wife, who's from West Virginia, who didn't grow up here, and people from all over, I think to a lot of them, Tony, they would be like, Clark Gillies, you know, sad three days in a row. You know, like that seems like a big thing. And I, but what it shows is just the impact he made on this community. It, it, it extends beyond, it transcends Mike Bossy and Dennis Potvin and Brian Trache. Clark Gillies and Bob Nystrom are in a category of their own because they stayed here. That doesn't make them better or whatever. This, is, this was a decision they made and life took other guys other directions. We totally get that, right? But these are two men who stayed here and just, you know, uh, the Rangers have Adam Graves that they're rightfully proud of is one example and the Mets have, you know, back in the day it was like Greenpool when I was young. There are these guys who become literal icons for what they do beyond the playing field and that was Clark. The, I don't have a specific story that I probably can tell about Clark that wouldn't get me in trouble. But I alluded, I alluded to this once before, that, that of all the incredible times we had together, and I'll say this, 
you know, it's this whole thing about not wanting to get your get to know your heroes, right? Gilly's a nice reward too of mine. And then I got to work for the team and be part of the nights where uh, the, their numbers were retired, right? Like they, if you look at those programs, I get to be editor in chief, and my best friend in the organization was really the guy who did the banner raisings and the events part of it, right? So they never let me down once, and I don't mean just like saying yes to every request but even just in how they handled themselves. And there was one part where Clark, I was, I was a little bit disappointed in Clark, and it, it all had to do, of course, like anything, with like Millbury and criticism and all that stuff, right? And we, we believe in when you're working there, you try to all stick together, but I get it, you're alumni. And <laughs> I made a comment to somebody, about like man I, you know, can Clark just you know and he came over to Clark came over to the press box and he circled me and I'm like oh my god he's gonna <laughs> kill me he's gonna <laughs> kill me and he comes around and I don't remember the seats upstairs mm -hmm. the Coliseum press box he literally like walks through those old chairs and like the school ones we had with the mm -hmm. you know, like you'd write on and he comes over and I'm just watching the game almost pretending that this hulking man is standing next to me and I'm like oh my god I'm dead I'm dead <laughs> and then he just he just hits me in the arm. He goes, "Oh, I heard what you said. Come on, cut it out!" And like he gives me a hug. Like that was him. I had what a legacy. Can you imagine to have to to have this legacy where not only does nobody have a darn bad thing to say about you, but they all have this incredible thing to say about you. And as Bruno said, I said, you know, they'd have to have the Coliseum if you were going to do some sort of open memorial. And Bruno said, no, you need a baseball stadium. And maybe we'd need that Giants barn with 70,000 seats at the Jets place. Um, what an incredible day. That's, that's fantastic, Chris. And just the fact that you were able to spend all that time with legends like Clark Gillies and, and you know, going down the list, just, just phenomenal. I mean, uh, you're still keeping a lot of touch with the other legends from the dynasty years, even though you're a little further away from the organization now? The thing is that they've always been there for me. My timing was unique. I said this recently, they, they won the Stanley Cup when I was in 9th through 12th grade. And I wish they had won more when I was there, right? I only have, for the most part, 93 to hold my hat on. Some good moments, you know, breaking the schneid and making the playoffs in 01 and starting off 11 and 1. And then the Teddy run, you know, it's sad you can name the three years. Yeah. They were good. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Right. But on the other hand, like, you know, when you're a fan and you really care when you're going to the games with your best friends, right, and growing up, I mean, that was the time to win. But then I, I wound up going to work and then they are now moving into the retirement, you know, phase. So literally everybody's, you know, not this last one, of course, John Tonelli and Butch Goring, but Hotman, Bossy, Smith, uh, Bobby Nye, Gillies, Tory and Arbor. Tory coached the team. Excuse me, Arbor coached the team when I was there in his second run. Um, the Nystrom thing. We had always said when we were there that we would just retire the numbers of the guys who made the Hockey Hall of Fame. But me, among among other people, including that Jimmy's worked with and good friends with from Companions and Courage, said Nystrom is in that special category. Nine hundred games. So. You know, thankfully, they're still on my phone. They know I'm here. I know I'm there. I, I hope to interview uh, Brian Trache for uh, my podcast in the next couple of weeks. And it's, it's the, 
it's do I wish I had a ring? Yes. But to have these people, even a little bit in my life, some more than others, of course, um, it's just an, it's just an unbelievable blessing. And I want to kind of key on something you mentioned there, almost like a criteria for bringing numbers up into the rafters. And it's funny because I was just having a conversation about that with a friend of mine who's also a big fan of the team. And we were kind of talking about potential guys even on the current roster, right? And, you know, one guy might mention somebody like Josh Bailey and say, ah, oh, well, he's been with the team. He's breaking all these, these records. And I, says, and I said to him, well, look, you know, you look at the numbers that are up there now and look what they were par- a part of, right, the dynasty, four straight cups. Now, nobody's expecting that to happen again. And nobody's going to keep the bar there for any future numbers, right? Otherwise, there's no other numbers that are going up there. But I guess you have to kind of find to have to try to find a balance between that and I suppose just participation. Not to say that that's all Josh Bailey's done. He's been a good player for this team. I personally like him as a fan, for sure. But at the same time, he doesn't have a cup. He, he could still get a cup with the team. I mean, I don't know if that's where you draw the line, but I guess whoever's involved in those decisions, I mean, I'd be curious to hear from, from your point of view what goes into that and, and what makes you say, okay, this guy might be worthy, this guy might not be, just based on what they've accomplished with the team. Well, I mean, to be blunt, and this isn't Islander-specific, right, but when it comes to things like Hall of Fames and number of retirements, we're seeing a bit of a dilution of that. Right? Yeah. Uh, I love Paul O'Neill. Do I, I'm a Yankee fan. Yeah. I just heard that Paul O'Neill's now being honored by the Yankees. Do I think that Paul O'Neill is worthy of that and he's on a lot of championship teams? Yes. Uh, no, but I do not uh, think that he does. Um, Josh Bailey would be a no. I thought we got it right uh, with the Hall of Fame guys and mm-hmm. with Nystrom as that, that one. He got the goal. He played 900 games. He did the Long Island thing and continues to uh I could cry thinking about what a good dude that guy is. Um, And, like, I thought we got that right. Gillies wound up being, his number was retired, a little inside information. Um, Bill Torrey was on the committee for the Hall of Fame. We hadn't retired Clark's number yet. We figured that he probably would get in to the Hall of Fame. And Torrey came to us and said, look, it would be helpful if we retire, if the Islanders retired Clark Gillies' number, because it would put it would put him more. It would be another reminder of his greatness. We get it. I know Steve Simmons. He's a friend, but he's also a jerk off, right? Like he he, he wrote a whole column about how Clark Gillies uh, and I, a lot of. And by the way, I, I'm sure people say this about me too. Um, but uh, he wrote a whole column about. It. I get it. If you look at Clark's numbers, we could all find 20 guys who had twice. Right. That's not the point. He was an integral part, an essential, an equal part of one of the greatest lines ever and of a team, for a team that won 19 straight playoff series. End of story. He's a Hall of Famer. But the idea was, let's get that number retired. Let's get those news clips out. Let's get the special program out. It'll be another reminder. And sure enough, you'd have to look it up, but I believe it was two or three years later at the most that Clark's induction was, which means he would have gotten in about a year or two after we retired his number. Um, the idea for the Islanders Hall of Fame was then, and I, I, I wanted to have that level high too, was to really make it for people who aren't going to get in the Hockey Hall of Fame, but absolutely deserve to be in the Islanders Hall of Fame. So Charles Wong was the owner at the time. Mike Milbury was GM slash whatever title. He was very much involved in that. That first night, we talked about it with Justin Bourne, about Bob Bourne. 
On that list was John Tonelli to be the first honoree. Uh, John Tonelli declined extremely politely over drinks uh, with Mike and me and a few other people. And he told us because he felt like if he accepted Hall of Fame, that that would then prevent him from getting his number retired. And God bless you, John Tonelli, you called your shot because he got his number retired. So now, and John Tonelli is my favorite player. I know I've probably said seven guys were my favorite players so far. <laughs> but John Tonelli really was. I mean, my you guys guy. were spoiled back yeah. then. Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know the line I use, and it's not an original line, is every highlight of every big goal. Kenny Morrow's goal, the Bossy's goal, the 15 straight wins, the comeback against Pittsburgh. Tonelli's nose, and the guy with the big nose, I can say, Tonelli's nose or his entire body is in, is in the clip because he's part of that. He was so, in the middle of everything. Yeah, so, Always in the middle of everything. So like, I can't I can't compare anybody else to him. So can I sit here and say he shouldn't be in the, uh, in, have his number retired? No. I, I just, as a fan... You know, I just wouldn't want to see that uh, diluted anymore. I agree. I will, what I will, last thing I'll say, and it's timely, and no, I'm not just saying this because the executive director of the Companions and Courage Foundation, <laughs> who happened to be the guy uh, who, I, who was to blame for my entire career, he hired me at the Islanders to be editor of Islander News about 69, 68 years ago. Wow. Um, but there should be a night for Pat LaFontaine. Pat wound up leaving the Islanders not because of him, but because of John Pickett and Broken Promises. Bill Torrey would tell you this if he was still around. Pat is an incredible player, an incredible ambassador for Long Island. So something, I suspect that something will be done. I have no inside information, but whether that's Hall of Fame, whether that's number, whether that's one big night, whatever they call it, there should be, and I believe, there will be a night for Pat LaFontaine in the coming years. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that that's, if there's another number that should be retired, it should be Patty's mm-hmm. number. I mean, I, I, was, I was a huge fan of, uh, of Pat when he, was, when he was a player. I was very sad to see him go, but that kind of ushered in that new, that, that 93 team, essentially, because, you know, you got you recruit, you got... Um, uh, McElwain and Pierre Turgeon. And you remember McElwain before Turgeon? Well, it's, you know what? I just saw a, something with his name <laughs> recently, and it was just in the front yeah, of my head. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm it was. Impressed you pulled it out. I would have forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and the same day as they traded Brent Sutter, and they got Steve Thomas and uh, Adam and Adam Creighton. So I remember, and you know, and those were the days. No internet, no you know, no radio, anything like that. So just you just turn on the TV, and then this entire new, you know new roster of players there it was. It was crazy. Um, Can but I tell you a quick Adam Creighton uh, story? Oh, yeah, please. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And Ray Ferraro uh, referred to this when he had Steve Thomas on his show. Real quickly, Adam Creighton is from a town in Ontario where a great friend of mine from college is. So when we went to college and then I started working for the Islanders, he would always tell me about Adam Creighton. It was his best buddy growing up. And then we get Adam Creighton. And I'm, I'm excited, like this guy who I've always heard about, he's six foot six, he's, you know, not that anybody's comparing to Marilyn here, but, but like, yeah. so we get him and Steve Thomas, Steve Thomas, of course, being the most important piece, but Adam being a big thing. We get to the first practice where they arrive, 
and Thomas and Creighton come over together from Chicago, and I'm so excited to watch them play and watch them practice. And then in the middle of practice, they start beating the crap out of each other. They drop the gloves. Thomas and Creighton. And That's great. As Islanders on their first day, I'm like, what's going on here? Oh, like, my God. And it just, I, I want to hear Steve tell it. Adam's not here. He's, he's retired in Ontario. But the way Steve told it is that Adam was just an unbelievably frustrating player at times to play with. There was a perception that he's an underachiever. You know, I don't know. And now Steve gets traded. He's happy to be away from Chicago, but he's not he's away from bring Adam. Him he's got to bring him with him. <laughs> and then Adam, I That's guess, funny. you know, Steve claims that Adam threw a pass at his skates that he couldn't handle, and he got mad, and he told Adam to wake up, and Adam said, I've had it with you, and they start fighting. And you should the looks on all of our faces, like, what is going on here? But it certainly loosened things up, and it had a lot of fun. That's a great story. Yeah, wow. Great story. Wow. Well, just to chime in on the Pat LaFontaine talk, uh, he's my all-time favorite. Yeah. So if they give him a night, that would be great for me. I would definitely make sure I was in the seat, I would be in the seats for that, because that was, when I was a kid, he was like, it's seems like, from what I can tell, most most people's favorite player, maybe for a team, usually is that first star, mm-hmm. when you kind of first became a fan of the team, whether it's as a kid or if you get older, but he was that first star for me, and and I just loved the way he played, and he always got me excited to watch the team, and I, of course I was heartbroken, I didn't know all the, the BS behind the scenes at the time, because I was just a kid, why he got traded, why he ended up going to Buffalo for Turgeon and everything, but I was heartbroken when he was dealt, because I was like, he's, he's my guy, and now I gotta, who's this Turgeon guy, who's Turgeon? <laughs> His agent, Don Mann, is still very much active. Uh, he actually, back in the day when people sent each other letters, he mailed me a letter uh, explaining what was going on from his side that he wanted me to know, uh, and that it, you know, and he had facts and receipts as we call them now. And like, what a what a thoughtful, you know, he was defending this guy, but what a thoughtful thing to do that he would do this. And and listen, we lost. Pat, the team made some moves. Maybe we would have had a good run with Pat, right? But sometimes I get a little corny. Like, you, know, you talk about destiny. Like, Pat went to Buffalo, and he's, they love him to death there, too. And he's this, he's this saint of a person who's built this foundation, but he was like that before. He started the foundation 20 years ago. And in a way, like, he's, he's touched people's lives here and in New York, not just from his year with the Rangers, but across the Tri-State area, and in Buffalo too, and everywhere else. And and you know, if that in, if that just enabled more people to get to see how great that was, and he had his moments too with May Day, May Day, and he had his runs. And uh, do I, I just wish it was a little longer on Long Island? I'm sure everybody does. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, let's fast forward a little bit to uh, another part portion of the time with the team when you created the Islander Blog Box, right? Which was something that allowed Sean and I at different points in time to be a privilege to be a part of. Uh, it is it is a time in my life that I'll never forget, you know, being able to, to sit upstairs with you when you were writing for Point Blank after, you know, after you had left the Islanders and, you know, and, and being able to, you know, do all of these different things. Talk a little bit about what went into that process of, of deciding, like, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to let fans cover games, come to, and, and actually go to press conferences and, and, and basically have 
the you know the same rights that a reporter would have. Yeah, a, a young guy named Corey Witt, who was still in Oscar at the time, but was my assistant, a paid full-time assistant. I called him into my office. Blogs had become a thing. It started to become a thing. And the idea, I just said, Corey, help me make this work. I want people to come. We need more people to write about this team. It used to be Newsday, Daily News, Post, and New York Times not only covered but traveled, wrote six, seven days a week about the team. Those things were now, you couldn't take them for granted. Those things were starting to fall away. As they started to fall away for all the teams except for Yankees, Mets, Giants, Jets, probably Mets. Um, so the idea was like, how can we do this, give opportunities to people, but I will admit to this, and I know Deadspin back at the time had a field day, it's probably still Google, where they, 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 they made fun of me, and it was, I, I didn't mind, it was Will Leach, I was honored at the time. Um, but they didn't, they hated the idea that I put the box somewhere else. But my feeling was, is that if Tom Lydice and D. Call and uh, B.D. Galloff and you guys, and, and, and forgive me, I'm going to miss a whole bunch of people who are going to be mad at me, right? Um, uh, the, uh, oh, they're all like going, I could see them, and they're, they're, they're going to be DMing oh, me. I was there too. The show, yeah. And uh, everybody, including people who, you know, tick me off from time to time. But the idea was like, I wanted them, at least for the first season of this, I, didn't, I wanted them to retain their fanhood too. Like, I, I, I know how it could be when all of a sudden you're thrive. I was after I left the Islanders and like I'm sitting in the garden and I'm covering Winnipeg Rangers. It's just like a weird thing. So I wanted them to enjoy it. So that was the idea of having it within the stands. That was the idea of everybody coming down and then I'd bring Campoli to a room. Like I wanted to retain that. It had nothing to do. Deadspin's take on it was that I was segregating the bloggers from the media. Mm. That wasn't the spirit beyond it. It was like this, for this first year. So I'm like I'm immensely proud of it, uh, and Corey should be too because he was right there with me and everybody else that worked with us at the time. Because I do know that it, it brought along you know, people's interest. It was the idea, you know, in a lot of ways, just like I have a podcast and a lot of people have podcasts. It was kind of this idea that there's opportunity there. Um, now you don't want to be writing for free forever, but but if the idea is that you have clips and you have things that you could show and you want to build a career of this thing. This was an opportunity, so that was the spirit behind it. So I appreciate you. I hope, appreciate you bringing it up, and I hope overall it was a positive experience. It, I, I can speak for myself. I was there for five years, wow. and I enjoyed every minute. I mean, I met you know writers that I, I you know that I had been fans of. I met Doc Emmerich and Chico Resch and you know, Clark Gillies, and you know. Uh, it just it was just it was so great and I have lifelong friends because of it you know I, I still talk to most of you know uh, you know the people that I, I was sitting in the box with and it was it was a tremendous experience it, it, it allowed me to live my dream as a, as a kid you know that I was able to you know be in the press box and be in a, you know be in the, those those um, in the locker room and, and tr training camp and you know, first day and you know see players that I had seen the year before and hey how are you and it was it was a phenomenal experience, and to me, it was tremendously successful because you got more press. And I think the Deadspin thing actually helped you because now it drew more attention to it a than lot it of had people before. Heard about it it's a lot of her people heard about it from it. And I, when I read that you were doing it originally, I was I said this is genius because you have people who want to talk about the team, and 
you, they'll do anything that you ask them to do. Like, you want us to want me to come to games? You want me to go to press conference? You want me to go to, you know, you want me to go to practice? I'll, I'll do it. And I can speak for myself saying that it was some of the best years of my life. And I got to give a lot of credit also, I should add, to really, you know, I think of Peter Body, Arthur Staple. Like, I, I've noticed that a lot of those connections that didn't always, didn't necessarily start with the time that I was there, but in future years, so uh, my successors, and especially Kimber, like, you know, those writers were, seem like they're, I, I know they go on your shows, right? And Absolutely. They go, and perhaps if even even 10% of those connections were made because of that, I'm proud of that, but I'm also very grateful to all the other media and broadcasters, because I do know in some towns, it's possible that they might have been kind of like, you guys got your thing and I got my thing, and right. I think, I think right. reading for the most part, all the writers in our community were, were really positive. Yeah, and it's not just the local writers that did it, because yeah, Peter Body and Alan Krita and, and, and Arthur Staple, like they all, they, they would come on the show all the time, but we would talk to Helene Elliott, we talk to Sarah McLaughlin, like there are so many, uh, you know, people from around the country, writers from around the country that would come on with us, and it was just, it was tremendous. It, it just, it allowed us to to do something that we obviously it takes a lot to get to to get to do, and it's Thank something that's tremendous. Chris, the, the truth is, it's the very reason why we're sitting here today. I mean, one hundred percent. That's actually what got Tony and I to meet. And Got you know when uh, G is going back with myself, and my brother, and, and Mike Carver, and then mm -hmm. Tony got into the fold, and we were all up in the press box at one point, and, and you know we all became pals, and we were doing this thing for a long time, and and it's branched off into this show where Tony and I started out, and then Christian came in because I just couldn't deal with Tony's BS. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, but it tied us with, together with Christian too. I literally met him up in that press yeah, box. Me, yeah, agree, and yep. these relationships have been maintained over the course of all that time. So it is kind of special. I mean, regardless of what Deadspin had to say about <laughs> right, exactly. it at the time, but well, it's good publicity. It really did, um, you know, tie a lot of us together and make a lot of this possible. So I, we have you to thank for that. Yeah, and, and, and the fact, and, and the fact that they allowed Christian at 11 years old to go to the press box. I mean, I thought that was really great. <laughs> no, see, I mean, we had Mike Carver on last week, and, and he was joking about the fact that he, he missed the show because he was trying to get his learner's permit. <laughs> it, was, it was a six-time trying. I don't know how he made out. i got to check in with him. Uh, you should there. check in with him on that. Yeah, he's a good kid. Uh, thanks, thanks for saying that. I appreciate that. Of course, of yep. course. So, Chris, if you want to stick around, we got plenty more to go here. I'm here. Or you're welcome to have yourself a beer. You do whatever you want to do, but we're going to move it in to another sec segment now called What's on Tap. And now, it's time for What's on Tap. Brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. That's right, folks. It's time for What's on Tap. Brought to you by the very place we're in right now, R.J. Daniels. We look ahead. Obviously, we have tonight. The Islanders will be playing the Anaheim Ducks. Looking ahead to next week, they have Colorado in Colorado. Then they come back home to play the Canucks on Thursday. And the Blues for a 12.30 tilt on Saturday. I'll start with you, Tony. What do you make of this schedule ahead? We just talked about the mediocre play of this team so far, but uh, what do you what do you see out of those games for the Islanders? Oh, that 12-30 start should be a real hoot. <laughs> Let me tell you, the hockey teams usually do not do well with those early, early afternoon starts, but the Islanders have been historically horrible when it comes to early afternoon games, so it's... Yeah, I mean, look, if, if they're going to continue to play the way that they have, the inconsistency we spoke about earlier on in the show, I mean, it's, you know, you're going to see the same thing. You're going to see the Islander team from last year one night and then the Islander team from this year the next. So, you know, they they need to, it's, 
I think it's past the time where you know a run is even possible at this point. I think it's at this point trying to evaluate the players you have going forward and looking at guys like Wallstrom and Bellows and seeing where they fit in, and even Sebastian Ajo, you know, possibly getting Grant Hunt in some games depending upon what happens at the deadline. But I really think that at this point, that's what you're going to look at for you know for these games coming up on the schedule. And and Chris, with that in mind. I mean, sad to say, but unfortunately, you know, you've been around the team when they've had some struggles, and maybe, maybe they knew a little earlier on in the season that it might not be heading towards that postseason that everybody's looking for, and, and maybe kind of with the inside access that you have, I mean, when you have an 82-game season, you're only around game 50, 55, whatever it is, I mean, how do these players continue to be, to be motivated just to, to go out there and, and try to get two points or is it just impressing the coaching staff looking ahead to next season? Or, you know, you look at guys like Bellows and Wallstrom and they're st- still trying to earn their keep with this team. You know, how, how does the team approach that when, I mean, even though the math is there, it doesn't really look like the math is there. Yeah, if they win two in a row, everybody starts to feel a little bit better. Right. I, I think there's going to be a lot to still enjoy and to follow, at least for the next month up until the trade deadline. Not just because of rumors and the buzz that trade deadline brings, but they are still not a, right. Like, they, they have a, there's, this isn't when I worked there, and, and I always say we were often out of it by American Thanksgiving, right? Like, you know, you could have Jamie Rivers calling, you could tell you about his season, and, and, like, being out of it, like, the third week of training, right? Or something like that. So um, they can still look at, like, you know, when the subject of Boston came up a few weeks ago, um, I said I, that Boston wasn't the team I was looking at. I was referring to Washington only because I just don't think Washington is that good. I love the coach, and I believe in him, and certainly they have some top-end players, but I do wonder about that team. So they, they still have four tonight, four Tuesday, four Saturday, and Vancouver in between. Uh, they still have reasons. Uh, they, they're not there yet. Could there come a point after the trade deadline where it's like, boy, they're really playing out the string? Sure. Uh, but I like what I see in their room. As I think Tony said or alluded to at the top of the show before I came on, it just didn't work this year. Right? Like, and we don't know about COVID and how everything you know, played out. But for what it, the guys they lost... They wound up missing more than they expected, and they weren't replaced by what they do. The most notable, one, notable ones being Nick Letty, of course, and Jordan Eberle. And that's not the entire reason that the season didn't go well, but it didn't work. That's not to be so blasé about it or think that they could just snap their fingers and get better next year. But it is really interesting for me to look from now until the trade deadline to see what Lamarello and his staff and Trotz do to address these things for the future. Because even if they make a miracle run, we're still talking about like sweating it out just to right. get to eighth. Like, like right. what are we talking about here, right? So I have no doubt that management. They're not going to say this publicly. They never would. Of course. They are looking ahead. And that is interesting to me because this isn't just salvageable. It's fixable. Mm-hmm. And they could have an exciting full season with a regular schedule, perhaps without this illness running through everybody. And, you know, that is exciting to me. It's disappointing, but there's still reason to watch and still reason to follow. And I know that the guys have every reason to get up and, and play their best. They didn't 
it, 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 they just suck the last time. Like, it, <laughs> like, like, like I don't, there comes a point where there is yeah, no, it's, when it comes to right. a point where there's no analysis needed. Yeah, you don't need right. a great mind like Butchie to break it down or, or anybody. <laughs> like they just, it, but it, it isn't like they're not trying. Just like yeah. how do you explain five zip over Vancouver, right? And by the way. You know, of all these games coming up, including Colorado and St. Louis, I'd be scared as hell about Vancouver because they will be ready oh, they for that be. game. And Blue they're playing, they're playing really ready. well right now, yeah. too. They, they will be ready. I, I, I don't bet. I ain't betting, them, I ain't betting <laughs> on the Islanders on that game, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Even with all the, all the draft, I mean, it's a betting world now, Chris. You're not yes, getting involved with every ad uh, I see on the television. It's another, it's another website telling me to, to buy in and I was just betting. having this conversation I last night. It's every, no, I don't either. <laughs> I, I'm the same way. Oh, here, $20, get $300. Yeah, nope, no thank you. Now, I, I, I feel similarly as the two of you, but the truth is... If I started betting, it would be the death knell for whoever I started betting on. <laughs> and I'll give you a perfect example. So I have a buddy at my, at my day job, right? And, you know, he knows I'm a, I'm a hockey guy, and he's more of like a basketball guy. And he's like, all right, what's the shoe-in game tonight? And I look at the schedule. I mean, look, I'll be like, Colorado's playing Arizona. I was like, you know, hockey is a little tough to gauge. Anything can happen on any given night. But I was like, you got basically the best team playing the worst team. I mean, this team has nothing going for them. I was like, Colorado, Arizona. This is only a couple weeks ago. And he's like, all right, I'm doing it. I'm, go- <laughs> I'm going in on it. What happens? I remember that. Colorado game. loses in a shootout. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Think about, like, when, when, I, when I worked for the team, especially in my early years, I mean, it's like Cold War stories, right? But, but we didn't have the instant information, right? We right. didn't have, we didn't have um, Andrew and, and Kevin Curris telling us and, and everybody else, like, who's out and when's out and last week. Now, I'm sitting there. I'm with the team. I know when, like, the bus is late. I know when the plane lands late. I know about that extra scratch. I know about that mystery guy who it's 5 o'clock. We're all looking at his watches, and Travis Green, bad just singling him out, you know, you know, hasn't showed up yet and what's going on. So if I was ever in a position, like, I might, you know, I could, I, I could think to myself, oh, we're really screwed tonight, right? And then I'm telling you, most of those times we'd win. And then on times where I'm thinking, oh man, what a thrill. The guys are flying, the coffee's great, everything's good. Then we get, you know, so. 6 2. So, like, you know, <laughs> right. The players and the coaches, notwithstanding, the people who do what I used to do, kind of have as much information, you know, as you could possibly have. Yeah. Not, not in terms of, uh, you know, a, a, a little what leaning one way. I'm talking about real information, like maybe a goalie not being able to play and some third guy having to come in. Yeah. And it just, I'm telling you, I would have lost if I, if I bet that. I would have lost a lot. All right, so we're all on the same page. We there. are on the same Until, page. If DraftKings comes with a sponsorship, then we'll do another yeah. episode and talk about how important it of is. Of course, that's exactly. That changes the whole game. We'll give you all the betting lines. But uh, we'll move on at least from, from uh, What's on Tap, and we'll keep the show going. That was What's on Tap, brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. Grill, grill. See, it's so much fun. You get this Roadcaster Pro and the microphones. You just you can do it. Is that another family member on guitar there, or where, where's this music coming? From? Oh, that's coming from a royalty-free <laughs> <That's what I'm laughs> website, same, same actually. Here, same here, right? Yes, it's it's all legit, though. It's all yes, it's all legit. legit. So the train rolls on here at Hockey Night in New York. RJ Daniels, how you doing out there? <laughs> all right. Are you are you ready for some Islander hockey? Yeah. 
Love it. I love it. Yeah, about 40 minutes to go until Puck Shop. You having a good time with the show here? Should we keep going? Yeah. All right, we'll keep going. All right, let's go. All right, we'll keep going. Let's do it. So, so Chris, we were talking about some, some earlier times when you were with the team. And, and before you came on, Tony and I were discussing uh, an old jersey that the Islanders used to wear because oh, Tony was actually yes. considering making a purchase. And he, so, which obviously means that he is pro fisherman jersey. Oh, what's, oh, what's the matter? Whoa, what's the problem? What's going on? What's, what's, what's the issue here? So, so, Chris, you might have had some insight on what was going on during that time. <laughs> can, you, can you share a little bit about that time with the, with the jersey coming in, the rebranding? Sure. Uh, new owners, Gang of Four. In this case, it was led by Walsh and Rosenthal, the jersey thing. They own it. They admit it. I saw, actually, Bob Rosenthal. I think it was in the John Spano documentary Kevin Connolly did where he talked about the reasons for it. And they thought it would be a good idea to bring that in. And, you know, it wasn't a good idea. It's hard to, (laughs) you know, in summation, it's really incredible to think about. So, Ray, when I talk to Eric show for my show, and you talk to these guys too, um, it's really incredible to believe that that was only a little more than a decade after four Stanley Cups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It probably would be galling at any time. I get it, right? But it just you're, you're still in that generation. So I understand why it was hurtful and why people were angry. The, uh, so the conversation about what do they do going forward and do they wear it once, I, I welcome that if you want to talk about that. But that was, they, they wanted to, I think they wanted to freshen things up. I think the ego of a new ownership, and you see this manifest itself in, in, in any team that's bought by new people, is they kind of want to put their stamp on it too. Um, they thought they were doing something good. You know, why you know it's a train wreck is uh, the general manager of the team. He's totally, Don Maloney, lovely guy, but he's totally end arounding us and he's doing one of these. I got nothing to do with this. Not you know, my business. When, when, you find your, when you find yourself having to make it, by the way, it's the same thing with everybody uh, MLS, I work for and Dale soccer jerseys. My thing is that if you have to try too hard to explain your look. <laughs> your idea, yeah. Right, yeah. Like, like, there's a lot of great yeah. stuff out there. There's even some things we could debate about the sure. Nashville stuff or whatever. But if you have to do like two pages explaining it, I have the original uh, press release. I mentioned this. My mother unearthed it uh, recently in, in her place, and I'm proud it's in the folder. And I don't know how NFTs work, but I'm thinking maybe <laughs> I could uh, talk to Grabner and maybe we can get something out of this or whatever. But, but we wound up doing a follow up where it was like, Oh, but this is really about the Bayman, the, the, the great Bayman of the East End and, and how their business is failing and Billy Joel's down east for Alexa. And that's what, yeah, the face you're making, Sean, is exactly the point, right? right. Like, all of a sudden, Jeez. instead of like a refreshing, refreshing, refreshing of a jersey of a sure. brand, then you realize people don't like it, and now people like me are being like, well, we've got to come up with some other reasons. And then we, we literally had some Bayman show up, come to the press conference. And they stood there and sat there like, what am I doing? And you know, we wound up saying that you know, a portion of the proceeds would go to this foundation. And the bottom line is when you have to work that hard, it's bad. So it was a bad idea. 
Um, I don't think there's anything about the execution that would be different. It's just when you have a bad idea, it's a bad idea. I know one thing that Eric Fischow says is that if and other people is that if they had one more, I kind of get that. Well, it still would have been gone, but I think right. people would be more about it. It is fascinating to me that 25 years later, there's a family, you go right down this block here, there's a family who lives on a corner by the middle school, and they have the American flag, and then they always have like another flag, uh, and sometimes it's the Islanders, or it's college, or it's the they, I believe it's still currently, it's the fisherman. Like it's, you know, it's sold, the Islander people, okay? Malkin, the Decky, Malkin, the, the uh, He's big in commerce. This is what he does. It is all over that Isles Lab. I was there a couple of weeks. And ago. people well, are buying it yeah. because it's well, just like they're out of school. That's a different argument, right? Like that's a different thing. Is like, is it is it okay now, right? But that's a, well, like you said, twenty five years later, and that was literally the amount of time to allow a whole new generation of Islander fans to come in, not have those ties to the dynasty years, not even have the ties to the losses while they were wearing it, and they're just looking at it aesthetically. And maybe from a nostalgic or vintage point of view, and they just kind of and they're and they're eating it up. I mean, the young portion of this fan base, 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 a lot of loves those colors and loves that uniform. And and with that being said, it kind of leads me into my next question. You have the 50 year anniversary coming up. Do you think Lou Lamarillo dares touch anything near that that uniform to honor it in any sort of way? when they drop the puck next season. So here's my answer to that. Uh, I have the utmost respect to Lou Lamorello. I also get that when he is the president and GM of a team, there's this thing that like nobody has more power, power with his franchise than Lou Lamorello. And I'm telling you guys, I would say this right now if they were 20 games over 500. But my position on that, I also have a position on whether they should wear it or not, okay? Who cares what I think, right? But, but my position on that, on terms of the Lou Lamorello aspect of it, is manage the hockey team. The, the owner, the principal owner of this team, who has the most money, who, who everybody will tell you, we love John Ledecky, he's the face, he's the one who's here, but the one who lives in New York, his business, the reason why that Isles Lab, we could talk about the prices and things like that, but the reason why that Isles Lab looks so cool is Malcolm. It's Malcolm's people. Um, I interviewed, I interviewed uh, uh, Tim Lewicki about this. He was dropping names of people who worked with Malkin who firsthand came over from Europe and built this thing and designed it and said, this is what... So I'm going to leave this decision. Not that I'm waiting, let me rephrase it. Right. This decision should be Scott Malkin. He owns the team. He puts up the millions upon millions. Yeah. He's the one whose business it is. So... Lou, I, I, I love that he gets involved in every aspect of an organization, and there are parts of it. He's the reason, yes, I was anti Gart Snow, he's, he's the opposite of Gart Snow in terms of his leadership. But when it comes to things like that, I hope, and I actually kind of believe, because if Lou is really Louing this thing as we think he is, you wouldn't even see that fucking fisherman in the house. So the fact that it's in, I shouldn't call it the fucking fishing. The beloved, <laughs> the beloved fucking fishing in, in Isles Lab. And, and I, just, I just did a cursory look to see if there are any children in the Yeah, no, you did. We're okay. You're okay. Um, We're okay. Uh, you know, so I'm a little offended, but it's outside. <laughs> I will tell you this. The Lou Lamorell that I believe I know a little bit, who ran the New Jersey Devils, if there was a similar kind of thing, that fisherman jersey, the equivalent would not be in New Jersey Devils. 
stores. So the fact that it's there tells me that Nalkin is, is politely said, I got this part of it and a lot of other parts of it too. Yeah, and look, I agree. I think that if, if, if Scott Malkin wants them to wear that jersey, they're going to wear that jersey. Like that's the, He's the owner. He's the one that's going to make that decision. And the players and the coaches aren't going to mind if they, if they wear it once. Yeah, if they wear it once or, or something like that. I, I mean, I, I think that, like, like you said, if, if there was no chance of anything like that and if Lou had his thumb on, on, on all of those decisions, you wouldn't see it anywhere. And it is everywhere. So, and, and people are buying it because it's, it's out there. I see it as much as I see the Islander logo, I see that Fisherman logo. It's amazing. But I am a, I'm 46, okay? So I, unlike him, well, because he's this a child is, next to me. That's, that's the way he pitches. And this is, oh, no. I, 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 I I'm, I'm 46, so I, I grew up with I the Dynasty teams, right? So, but also. You're young. I was young. I was young. It was like, I really like the, so I, it was really like the third cup is really where I kind of, you know, started to really follow it. But, you know, my my uncles, they were all into it. So that's how I got into it. And so, but during, you know, when they when they released the Fisherman jerseys, that was when I was in high school. So it was the, I was in love with hockey at that point. It was like, okay, we're, you know, I like that logo, but, I, you know, this is it. You know, this is what we're wearing now. And it's part of the history of the team. You know, like if, if, you're, if you're a fan of this team, it may be a dark period, and it would believe me, it was a really dark period. But you know, it's it's part of it, and you know, it's I don't say embrace it, I don't say bring it back, absolutely not. But to just completely ignore it, I think is you know kind of just you know kind of sweeping that part of away. And you don't learn from your mistakes if you don't you know embrace what happened in the past. So I got a really really nice direct message via Twitter from a woman who lives in the Oyster Bay area, and she led by saying that we met. Uh, early in the Wong Kumar days, and somehow there was some uh, connection there, and that I had breakfast with her and Charles and Sanjay at the IHOP in Oyster Bay, whatever that town is called over there. Um, and she wrote me, it was after I tweeted about the Fisherman Jersey a month or so ago, and she just made this very passionate plea about how it's, uh, it's the end of the world and that it shouldn't uh, see the light of day, and I hope that you will join it and, and why it means, why this subject means so much to her. And I'll tell you what I wrote her was that I really appreciate her note, I really appreciate where she's coming from, and I swear like I'm not trying to like be sanctimonious about everything else going on in the world, but on this one is for this idea like whether they should wear it or not I'm punting a little bit my feeling is the people who own the team the guys who play on the team the fan base of which you know uh, there's this new great generation of fans that have come up over the last 20 years that love this team as much as this team was loved in the 70s and 80s like I, I, I my part of me is just like just let it play itself out. I, I told her I appreciate where she was coming from, but I'm not going to be the person standing on a soapbox saying, don't wear this thing. I did, it isn't. I, I, I prefer to let it play out because right at the end, it's commerce, right? And if it's successful, it sells. And if it's successful, and so, so I'm, I'm going to care because a couple of Turtle Ranger fans said, we want fish sticks. Like, who cares? It's a very like, sensitive portion of this fan base. Yes. Yeah. And, and I've literally read and heard people say that 
that very thing. Well, oh, I don't want to hear Ranger fans chanting, we want fist sticks. Enough, I mean, like, that's not a good enough yeah, reason. Yeah, grow up. I agree. Yeah. I mean, grow it's up. fun. I mean, we look. Think of a something, you know? They don't even, people don't under, even understand what that means. They don't know what it, what, what the, you know, they, they, don't, they didn't see what happened. It wasn't during their time. And then they just do it anyway. Like, yeah, Papa always sucks. Sometimes, do you know what that's about? No. Yeah, sometimes I feel like we're getting soft because... The Rangers, so I had this guy who, uh, this Ranger fan tweeted at me something about math, about the Islanders not going to make the playoffs this year, about math. And I wound up not replying, but I like I say, yeah, they've won, and, and I, I got nothing against Rangers. Oh, some of my best friends are Rangers fans, okay? <laughs> but they've won one, we used to have this 1940 thing, right? They've won yes. one Stanley Cup in 81, 82 years. So, like, who gives a fuck about yeah. a couple of people and, saying and we won, won since there was more than sixteen? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so like you know, like oh wow, we're gonna get sensitive about it. Yeah. I agree with that. It's I, just I just, not, it's just not a fight for me. No, and and, and look, and, and you know, and again, not nothing against Ranger fan. Again, same thing. I have plenty of them that are that are good friends of mine. You know, and they try to needle me, and they're like, you know, like, oh, it was great to see you guys gonna make the playoffs. I'm like, look, bro, you don't understand, okay? When both of these teams are good, which is going to happen within the next year or so, there is it is going to be fantastic. There is nothing like when both hockey teams are good, and they're going to be playing up against each other in the same division, and then possibly in the playoffs. That would be a dream. One more thing. The reason why the Rangers are good this year, and congratulations to them, and having a goalie who stops everything else. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. But the reason why they're good this year is because they played a series of games late in whatever the last season was called, the so-and-so year, against the Islanders, where they were non-competitive. Right. It was like two teams in two different leagues. So the coach got fired. The GM, Jim Dolan sat there and... Now, I know him a little bit. I know the machinery there a little bit. He sat there and was like, no more. And I'm not, I'm not praising him, but basically he was done with that. So you get you get Gerard here, who's very good in short bursts, like most coaches. You change some things around. You make a crazy-ass blaze for a average trade or whatever. You, you pay a lot of money for Barkley Goudreau. You get Rees. You get a little tougher. So you can tell your friend, like, there's... I'm not spinning here. The Rangers figured it out because, and realizing things needed to change because of that couple of two or three games where it was 4-0, 4-0 or something yeah. like that. Oh, yeah, and that, well, the Washington game, I think, was destroyed or broke the Camels back when they got, when they got well, physically beat, beaten by them. Yes, but, but it was the Islander at the Garden, I believe 4-0, not no show. They, they, they didn't touch the puck. Yeah. You know, that changed everything. So the Islanders have a fallback year. I don't believe it's going to be the norm. I believe they will get back. I agree. Um, uh, and this will this will be fun again. But like like really, win, win a couple of rounds. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Well, folks, I want to thank everybody over at Twitch and here, of course, in RJ Daniels for hanging out with us for Hockey Night in New York. We still got a little ways to go here. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Tony, you'll remember this. It'll be time for the Hero of the Week. Oh, I can't wait. Right? Yes. All right, folks, we'll be right back. You have a lot of choices when it comes to great beer, and Oyster Bay Brewing Company provides the best Long Island has to offer. Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to their nautical history on the Gold Coast of Long Island. They're the creators of the renowned Barn Rocker Session Ale, available at 12 locations in the Islanders' brand new home, UBS Arena. 
And because Oyster Bay has increased distribution across the country, you can grab your barn rocker from Carolina to California if you're following the team on the road. Here at home, the tap room on 36 Audrey Avenue is open seven days a week with indoor and outdoor seating so you can experience their smooth honey ale, savory IPA, or gluten-free hard seltzers right in historic Oyster Bay. You can also shop online at oysterbaybrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or have your order shipped anywhere in New York. And if you use coupon code HNINY at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery. Hey Islander fans, you already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal. And now, you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week, I don't know how it worked out this way, but it's the Hockey Night in New York. That's, <laughs> With grilled that's chicken, to me. buffalo sauce, mozzarella cheese, avocado in a wrap. That's right, head on in to the Huntington Blue Line Deli's location. Get it for half off all week starting tomorrow. That is Monday. Until next week when we announce a brand new half off hero. Just mention Hockey Night New York and you will get it for half off. So with that out of the way, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to choose our heroes. And we find ourselves in another week where not a lot of heroics. You have one win in the week previous. So there's really only one game you really get to choose from. So I'll go first here. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, with three goals, two assists in the games versus Seattle and San Jose, Zach Parisi is my hero of the week. Uh, he was joking about it earlier on in the season when he was struggling. He had, you know, barely any points up in the board. He says, oh, yeah, well, I'm a second-half player. And he, and he kind of became a prophet in that way because the guy's just been putting up points like mad ever since. So, uh, Tony, why don't you take it away here? I, I have to agree with you 100%. I think Zach Parise is uh, the hero of the week. Um, he, look, this is a guy who has been consistent every single night. He goes out there, he works his ass off, he does everything he has to do. He does the little things. He plays on the penalty kill. You know, he's around the net, and he was just snake-bitten early on in the season, I feel like. He just, the points weren't coming, it was frustrating for him, and then that first goal came, and then it started to build from there, and then that comment, that second-half comment, and all of a sudden, he's been the player that they hoped that they were getting, and I love him. I, w I, I was disappointed that we didn't go after him after he was a free agent um, from the New Jersey Devils. I love the fact that he's here now. I love the fact that this is where he wanted to be. 
and you know he's he's just he's loving the fact that he, he knows his dad loves his time on the island so much and he is enjoying it just as much i think he wants a little success and i think sure. that he wants to stick around so i hope that happens but he's my there's no question he is the hero yeah, there you go. Unanimous vote here from Tony and I. And Chris, we'll get you involved now. Maybe not just for the week, but you've been following the team. Now, is there anybody on this team this season that stood out to you that maybe has been uh, maybe an unsung hero or just somebody who's who's stepped up compared to other guys in the roster so far this year? Not the answer you're expecting, but when you guys were talking about this, I just wanted to just throw in a, uh, a plug for Eric Hornick, uh, the statistician. There you on go. The broadcast. Eric He's, I think he actually might be older than me, which like freaks me out because I talked about him being like his 40th anniversary or 30th. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is like when a team is struggling, it's a, it, it gets a it's a little bit less fun for everybody. Brendan, and nobody's throwing pity parties, so, right? But Brendan and Butchie and and AJ and the producers and Eric and Kimber and the, the team and. It's times like these that you know I always want to remember uh, everybody else who's behind the scenes and does such a great job. And Brendan Burke, deservedly so, has gotten a lot of uh, great publicity lately for his work on the national broadcast. Jig said he's the best in the business on my show, which was really nice. And he is. He's very, very good. What helps make him great, and anybody who might sit in that chair next to somebody like Eric Hornick is... Eric is, is tops at what he does, and he's been doing it for a long time. He hasn't changed one bit. His energy, his passion for it. He has a real job. He has a family, and um, he's just awesome. I know other people who do what he does and do it well, uh, but my immense respect to Eric. So he's my hero of the something. That's, I, that's you probably great. don't have a that graphic. That is a great pick. You probably don't have a graphic. <laughs> we, we don't have a graphic. We didn't have that prepared. <laughs> but a fantastic yeah. choice. That is a fantastic choice. And Eric is is top notch. No, I, would name, I would name the nation name a sandwich. I love that. You know what? That is not a bad idea. That's not a bad. That is a call bad it the skinny. <laughs> call it the NYI skinny. skinny. You know what? We uh, we know Blue Line Donnie Bagels. We'll, we'll have a little, little chat with Donnie we Bagels. We'll there. see what we can do. But yeah, we, we've had Eric on, on the program back when we were hockey this week. He used to actually sit in with us at the Marriott when we yeah, did pregame shows. And yeah, he's always done an outstanding job. And and truth is, I mean, when I when I actually pull some stats for the show, I'm always going to the, the skinny. To the skinny yep. Because he always has those very intricate you know, numbers that you're not even looking for, you know, first time, long time, or whatever the case may be, and uh, it's always fascinating to see, and just, just see how he even pulls these out to begin with, like, you know, how he even found to, or thought to look into this particular thing, like their first time they scored on the, on the road, on a Saturday, against the Canucks, or whatever the case may be, and he just has a laundry list of that stuff, and it's always been great. Stat- just statistician and historian, right, because he, he right. goes back to Jigs. And he goes back to the winning and, 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 the, and some of those great days. And yet he's just, he's been a constant. I don't know what his plans are, but he doesn't seem like he's going anywhere either. He's, just, he's a constant and reliable and just awesome at what he does. Well, once you're going to say Tony, I'm sorry. No, just, uh, just the fact that he just, he's the kind of guy I think that can just watch the game or look at the, look at the matchup and say, you know what? I've noticed that they've been scoring goals on Saturdays at the, you know, on games that would start at three o'clock and starts just looking all of that stuff up. And I, it's, it has to be because he just, he's been there for so long and he's seen so many different trends that he has to figure it out. And he's so good with the numbers and, and, and like, you know, getting the information out to the guys. It's, 
He's he is tremendous. He really is tremendous. Yeah, Chris, you might outdone us here. Phenomenal choice. Zach, Zach, <laughs> Zach deserves it too. Zach was the best player on the ice two games ago. I mean, in a game that is San Jose with a lot of great players in it, including on San Jose's high end guys. He's the best player on the ice. So that is very very good to see for a lot of reasons. Whether that's next season, whether that's somebody overpays for him at the trade deadline or perceives to overpay for him, they'll get what he's worth. He'll get what he's worth. I wouldn't rule out anything right now. It's a there you have it, folks. So once again, your heroes of the week, Zach Parisi and Eric Hornick over at MSG, doing a phenomenal job. That's brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero. Once again, the Hockey Night in New York with grilled chicken, buffalo sauce, avocado, and a wrap. Head on over to the Huntington location. Get half off all week. And now before we jump into our questions brewing segment, uh, let's talk a little bit about the deadline brief. Because it's a great segue. You just talked about the fact that Parise has been performing well. Is this a guy who maybe they dangle now? Everybody knows his age. Everybody knows he's on a one-year deal. You wonder if he's even a guy they bring back next year. Although, Lou has definitely shown that he has no problem bringing back aged guys like Andy Green if he thinks that they have a spot on this team. But, Chris, I'll start with you. What do you, what do you make of this deadline? It looks like they're going to be sellers, if anything at all, obviously, because of the math that's out there. Um, are there any guys that you think might be going ahead of other guys or you know we alluded to maybe Josh Bailey getting a number up in the Raptors is he, a, is he a guy they might be willing to deal even with the history that he's built with this team yeah I don't think there's actually going to be a lot of dangling dangling I think there's going to be a lot of incoming calls Lou what are you doing you know, what, what would Parisi cost me um, if I wanted to get a Bailey, would you, I, I'd like, you know, I want Bailey, and I, I actually believe there's some teams who would. I wouldn't rule this out. But I'm, I would need you to take back something else if you're going to get an asset for me. Varlamov, to me, listen, I'll say it only. Maybe I'd say this out of paranoia because Alan Walsh has everybody's phone number, the <laughs> Alan Walsh, and he knows me. But Balamov is the best goaltender, in my opinion, about what this trade deadline. Better than Marc Andre Fleury, younger, uh, the guy who I'd plug in, even with Marc Andre's great experience in the Cups. Uh, Parisi, Clutterbuck, definitely. So there's going to be at least one trade where when it's made, it's going to be like, wow. We got this, that, and the other thing from. I remember when Milbury traded Parrish for one of being like a third round pick. Dennis, Dennis, uh, thank you very wow. much. I knew you, you would like know. that, right? Wow. I looked right at you. Yep. I was you <laughs> and, wow. and, and people start saying that might be the best trade Mike made because when you trade one piece right. for three pieces, no matter how they LA, might right? turn out, yeah, LA. Right. Yep. no matter how they might turn out, you look good. There's going to be a trade, maybe not exactly like that, but they're going to be like, wow, they got that for Parisi, they got that for Clutterbuck. There's going to be some activity. They are sellers. Any kind of a buying move, and there could be a buying move coming up, but that's most likely in the offseason, maybe even in the early offseason, way before the draft. Uh, but there's going to be moves. There should be moves. You could always, if Zach Parisi loves us so much and we love him so much, you could always try to bring him back. But lose obligation, and he knows this. He's a cold-hearted guy. He's moved guys that were very, very good for him in his other jobs, especially in New Jersey. You have to listen. Quick thing about Zach Parisi. Love him. I know we're saying we do these precedents a lot, these prefaces a lot. But let's also, you know, I've seen every time he has a good game, it's like, oh, I wouldn't mind him coming back. Okay, I get that. But again, 
he will, you're getting 82 games when you bring back Zach Breeson. You're not getting the game against the Sharks or even these right. last couple of weeks where he's, he's been very good. He, he's a, if he's a second-half player, which I know he was kind of joking about, but he really he didn't produce early, and he wasn't that good. I don't think the chance are. So it, even though we have this moment where it's like, man, Zach showed up tonight when nobody else did, and full marks to him. I get all that, but boy, if there's a second on the table, there are teams that wanted to sign Zach when Zach signed with Young. If one of those teams still wants them and saw that game against San Jose, using that as the most recent example against San Jose, right? And and says, Jesus, we could plug Zach Parisi in at the minimum into our lineup. If you're a coach, you don't give a shit about a second round pick or a third round pick or two thirds or whatever. I mean, you're not you're not going to be coaching the team when those picks come up, and most likely you're not going to be the general manager. So there could be something like that that happens with him. I agree. I think uh, I think Clutterbuck is the big one because he's 34 years old. His body's got a lot of mileage on it, and you know he's he's this, you know it's a special kind of player. But he's a year-to-year contract at this point. No one could possibly want to give Cal Clutterbuck three years heading into his th- age 35 season. So you know for a playoff run, you know he's definitely a guy who they can look at. The one that uh, the one that really intrigues me is Josh Bailey because he has been really good in the playoffs the last two years. He's got a year. I think he's got just a year left on his deal. Uh, and the fact that he got sat down with an A on his chest for, for Kiefer Bellows, that, that's a telling sign. You know, when you're, in, when, when you're a, a guy who's been around an organization as long as Josh Bailey, as respected as you are in that room, for Barry Trotz to sit you down... That's saying a lot. That's saying a real lot. You know, so it's also possible they're setting him to, so he doesn't get injured and for a move. So I know this might sound outlandish. I know one or all three of us are going to get at least one tweet from oh, those idiots for even thinking that <laughs> I got it already. That somebody, that somebody. <laughs> but and I, I get it that Toronto Maple Leafs are probably not applicable because they have a little bit of a, a salary cap thing. But when you look at what Josh does do well, which is pass, which is work with a finisher like a Tarasenko is, like a John Tavares is, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Now, do I think you're going to get uh, what you might perceive as great value for him? No, but the reason to make that move would be to perhaps clean some space up, bring up, give more ice time to Bellows, of course, and and Oliver, of course. Uh, And so that is is a possibility, and in the case for all these guys, really good Islanders. Cal Clutterbuck, a really, really good Islander, and when he comes back, he will deservedly get a long standing ovation when they show that corny ass video. And he he will have deserved it, and so will Josh, who is the old line, he can marry your daughter. He can marry your son. He had to be happily married. (laughs) Going back to the block box days, right? He's a guy who would come out and, and, and be over over the top. He's just a, a, a good person who's been a good Islander, and whatever hiccups that have been along the way, it doesn't take away from his career if it happens to end in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely, Chris. And uh, before we get into our final segment of Questions Brewing, brought to you by Oyster Bay Brewing Company, how are we doing out there, RJs? 
That's pretty good. That I was see a delay. Drive for Five is in the house. How we doing? Oh, there we go. Very good. All right. All right. And also, once again, want to remind everybody, we got raffles going on. 50-50 gym of Companions and Courage, which is actually what the raffle is going towards, was kind enough to donate an autographed Pat LaFontaine jersey. So if you buy some tickets, you're in the mix for that prize, as well as the 50-50, as well as Islander tickets, as well as some awesome wireless Beats headphones. Plenty of, plenty of prizes coming up here, so definitely get involved in that. It's going to a great cause. And then we got puck drop in just about 10 minutes, so let's go Islanders. I'm going to go into our last segment here called... It's time for Questions Brewing, brought to you by Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery. That's right, folks. It's time for Questions Brewing, brought to you by Oyster Bay Brewing Company and their phenomenal Barn Rocker Session Ale, dedicated to the New York Islanders and, of course, paying tribute to the old barn, the Nassau Coliseum. So, Tony, I'll start with you. Question Brewing from Thomas Panic in the chat. Do you think Pollock is 100%? He looks like a shell of his former self out there. I understand that he was out for a very long time, but should he be settling in by now? I definitely don't think he's 100%. I think that, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like he's still trying to get his legs out from underneath him, but this could be a, the type of injury that he may not be he may not be 100% for the rest of the year. You know, there are, there are injuries that you can just, you just need a month to do nothing, to get off, not be on the ice, not try to get back on the ice. And I think as we saw how long he was out, I think there's a lot of evidence that'll point to the fact that he's, he's still not himself and probably won't be for the rest of the year. Okay, I think that's fair. I mean, look, as, a, as an observer, you never know exactly what's going on with these guys. You don't know if they're coming back 100%. You don't know if they... You know, there's probably guys on this team that have unreported injuries going on. No you hear about that all the time. Where And maybe that's why they're in a funk. Maybe that's why they only have a goal or two on the board, whatever the case may be. And you have guys who had COVID that, you know, you don't know the lasting, you know, the lasting effects that it has. Some people get very mild. Some people have stuff that goes on with them for a long time. So, I mean, Anders Lee is a guy you could look at and say, you know, because he, he talked about the fact that he got hit pretty hard with it. So you don't know what the lasting effects of that, is, uh, that has been and, you know, how that interrupted the momentum of their season. So That's a fair point. And, Chris, I'm going to toss this next one to you because you were actually just kind of talking about it. Mike46520, two COs, asks, this offseason, do you think Lou's big move would be a trade of some kind or a straight UFA signing? I think it almost has to be a trade. Uh, I don't know if there's a UFA that's going to... By the way, I don't buy this thing about them not being a destination. Um, they, they are a team that people want to be part of. They got the arena. The boxes are checked. I know that's not proven until you sign somebody, but let's not forget that they are re they've retained their people, right, other than Tavares. They sign uh, guys who come back. So in all likelihood, I think there's going to have to be a trade of some sort in the time around the draft, maybe even the day of the draft. And I say as an ad, why not both? Well, of course, definitely could. And it's Thomas Panic. That's really like that's, a, that's so. A, is that a Vanek? Is it a Panic? As a, a as a longtime listener to show, um, so back in the early parts of the season, when when Richard Panic uh -huh. joined the team, Christian flubbed and called uh -huh. him. Thomas Panic. So this is That's actually a, a tribute, yes, a to the name. It took off Thomas Panic. So thanks for the great question. One other thing I just want to say about that Pat Lafontaine jersey that Jim brought. I want people to understand that in the number, 
It's Pat LaFontaine's autograph with the Hall of Fame, the HOF, and the year. This is this is not like something that you get, you know, who knows through the mail. This is hand-delivered by the guy's foundation. It's a beautiful jersey and a beautiful signature. I'll be honest with you, Chris. If uh, if I didn't have to kind of, you know, be a good I might guy go here. I, I, cash. I, I, well, I might have just put it right in the trunk, honestly. But uh, I was thinking the <laughs> don't same think thing. he didn't think about <laughs> like, that either. I feel like don't I got to be a good guy here and leave it in the mix. But yeah, that's a phenomenal prize that's on the table here. Um, on to the next question, Tony. No, we won't do that one. <laughs> With the Islanders having close to 25 million in cap space, T Boyle 13 wants to know who is a realistic target this summer. Who are you looking at? Because I know you're looking already. Well, look, there's a, there's a name that was bandied about last season, if you're talking about trades, and that's uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, who is having a very good season for St. Louis. He's one, I think he's in the last year of his deal, and has basically said he does not want to go back to St. Louis. So there's a very strong possibility he is going to hit the market again with much higher... Uh, a much higher ask for him because he's, you know, he's he showed that he's healthy. He's played a good season this year. Another name is a guy playing in Madison Square Garden right now, and that's JT Miller, who's having a phenomenal season. I think he's got 59 points in 51 games. So uh, those are guys who would definitely be bring him in. Uh, they'll they can provide play uh, power play time. You know, they're both elite power play um, players. They can put points up. They score goals. Uh, Miller does so much. I mean, he's, he just would be, he would be an absolute, he would be an absolute get. And there's a guy who's a free agent in, uh, from Nashville and Philip Forsberg. So right. those guys are, are, you know, they're all wingers and all three of them to somewhat, some degree could be available. So those are three guys I would look at. I think, I think you're on the money there, Tony. I mean, look, I think Matt Barzell needs to be able to settle into a line ever since Everly left. He's kind of had that rotation on the right side. I mean, it, obviously there's an experiment now with Parisi and Palmieri, but you had Lee there for so long. Ever since Everly went, they haven't really been able to find a guy on the right side to fit in. So I think they, they have to look at scoring, in addition to a puck-moving defenseman, but they definitely have to look at, to look at uh, a winger to help. And last one, just before we wrap the show up, I'll throw this out to either, either one of you. With the emergence of Dobson as a really good puck-moving D-man, does that change Lou's thinking of getting a puck-moving D-man moving forward from Andrew 13? No, <laughs> I I agree. <laughs> it definitely. Tonight, you can't, I, in my opinion, you can't have enough puck movie D men. So and, it, and, he, and he's not all the way there as that. He's Dobson's very very good, but I, he's not the guy who's gonna lug the mail men to end and do all that. They they need somebody to uh, start to fill in more of that hole that was left by Ray. And I know they might say it's it's uh, Aho and or it could be Salo all that. But I, I suspect that that'll be very much on their list. I'm with you there, Chris. That was Questions Brewing, brought to you by Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewer. Well, folks, we're just under five minutes till puck drop, so we're going to wrap it up here. One more time, folks. How are we doing at RJ Daniels? Can we get a Let's Go Islanders? Can we get a Let's Go Islanders? That's what we like to hear. Beat those ducks. You know what I would have killed? What I would have done to have a fucking point blank night in a season where they made it to the final four two years in a row? Like, I get, like it's all relative. Like, this year is a little bit of a drop back. But, man, like, they stunk when I was doing that. I know. We should have had you come here during the playoffs last year. I mean, the place was... I know. Nah, it was nice. It was packed. Yeah, I, the 
We had some really good people here. And even just going through the neighborhood here, too, and seeing people having watch parties in their backyard. It yeah. Like oh, yeah. really did Absolutely. hard good to see that. No question about it. Well, folks, I want to thank you for hanging out here, here with us at RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill. And, of course, to all you watching at home, twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. And, of course, your favorite podcast providers later on. Huge thanks to Chris Botta from Hockey Press Pass for sitting in with us, giving us plenty of time. Fantastic stuff from Chris. And, of course, a huge thanks to RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill, located at 2799A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center. The best place to catch the aisles when you can't make it to the game. Don't just go for the aisles. They have live music, comedy nights, trivia, a late-night bar scene. They have it all. Huge thanks to Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, official partner of the New York Islanders and the greatest deli around. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com for their great selections and hockey themed heroes. Also, a big thanks to Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at TyTechnology.com for all your telecom needs or give them a call at 516-856-7800 and get three free months of service. And, of course, a big thanks to Oyster Bay Brewing Company located at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay. You can order their great beers and merchandise at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or shipping anywhere in New York and get 15% off with coupon code H-N-I-N-Y and of course a big thanks to Mr. Tony Stabile for sitting in for Christian Arnold tonight great stuff buddy great to have you back let everybody know where we can follow you on social media uh, follow me on uh, Twitter Tony's at Tony Stabile thanks for everybody for coming out Great being uh, behind the mic with you again, Shawnee, and I look forward to the next time. And Chris, where can we find you and listen to Hockey Press Pass? And Chris Potter, NHL, and uh, Hockey Press Pass, just about wherever you get podcasts. Fantastic. You can follow Christian Arnold, who's not here, at C underscore Arnold 01. You can follow myself, at Shawnee Hockey, on the Twitter. And you can follow Hockey Night in New York on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Hockey Night NY. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me is Tony Stabile and Chris Botta. We've been Hockey Night in New York. Have a great night. Let's go, Isles! Woo!